Hi everyone, welcome along to the PHT podcast. Great to have your company as always as we will discover something else about this world of ours. And today, Melanie Wynn from the Glenelg office is here. Lovely to see you as always. Lovely to see you, Leith. How are you? Very well, thank you. You have been to so many places. Uh, every time we sort of have a chance <laughs> to do a podcast, we think, who are we going to speak to and where are we going to go? <laughs> the boss came and he said, talk to Melanie Wynn about Russia. That's it. And I thought, well... Have you been to Russia? Yeah, I've been a few times actually, yeah, yeah, rather a few. <laughs> 11 times. Yeah. We'll find out why you love Russia so much. Can I say, when, when you think of travelling and you, and you look at a map, I don't think there's a place that we know more about but know less about. We all know Russia, we all know where it is, we all know how big it is. I don't think there'd be many people listening to this podcast who would know when's the best time to go, what do we eat, Apart from maybe Moscow and St. Petersburg, what do we see? What do we expect? There's a real mystery about Russia. Yeah, there is actually. And I think that's perhaps part of its allure in the sense that um, people sort of really want to sort of like um, blow those Cold War cobwebs away and see Russia for what it is today. Um, I always say of Russia that it's it's not Europe, it's not America, it's it's Russia. Like it's completely unique. You know, while they had their doors closed to the rest of the world, they were busy constructing their own cars and they had their own brand names and the, the, their own things that they eat. But of course, the other thing about Russia is it occupies a third of the globe. So, you know, you've got European Russia, which is basically anything west of the Ural Mountains, um, comprising Moscow and St. Petersburg. As soon as you hit the Ural Mountains, which is Yekaterinburg sort of onwards, it's where they did a lot of... Um, uh, uh, metal excavation um, and and use that sort of city as a place for which to um, to to build armaments and things like that. That was all closed until sort of the early 1990s. But it's also the point at which Siberia starts, so Russian Siberia. And then in the south, you've got sort of places like Georgia and uh, uh, those sort of regions, um, which give rise to some of the best wine production in that sort of region of Russia. But they also invented things like the shashlik and that sort of thing. So it's a real sort of, of miss... You think of a furry hat, yeah. you think of freezing cold, yep. and you think of probably a movie villain. That's kind of like, yeah, yeah. for many of us... A James happens. Bond villain, yeah, pretty much. You yeah, don't think yeah. of Russia in the summertime. Or no, you don't think no. Of and Russia in the summertime is, is absolutely beautiful. Like, um, I mean, in wintertime, you've got sort of the Dr. Zhivago-esque sort of landscapes with the amazing birch trees and the untouched virginal snow sort of dotted everywhere. It's a, a very handsome country. But in summertime, it can be sort of anything to up to sort of mid-30s. And, of course, you've got the White Nights phenomena, which exists up around the St. Petersburg sort of area of Russia, um, where you've got pretty much perpetual daylight so it sort of gives rise to uh the sun at sort of like um uh one o'clock in the morning and then sort of sunset at sort of midnight so you've really only got an hour of uh, near light um at that sort of time of the year so it's it's amazing sort of right throughout the summertime you've been so many times what appeals to you most you see the architecture it looks amazing but as i say i like a country that has a bit of mystery about it that you're yeah. not quite sure what to expect yeah you get off the plane or in this case and we'll talk about the trip you get off your ship yes and all of a sudden you just you've got a blank canvas you, you pretty much have yeah like i mean summertime is amazing but I, i'd say that my favorite time to visit um uh, russia is in the winter because i just think it's quite fun wearing one of those yushankas those furry kind of david crockett hats <laughs> and big snow boots and there's nothing like the uh, the sound of fresh snow crunching underfoot it's a very mm. satisfying sort of sound but summer is equally beautiful and one of the best ways to see russia in the summertime particularly this area that we're talking about western russia or yep. european russia between st petersburg and moscow is on board a ship 
okay, and travelling along uh, the waterways that take you through basically um, transgressional um, towns that date back from the 11th and 12th centuries, places like Uglish, Yaroslavl, Gritsi, Kizzy Island, Mandrigi to St Petersburg. Um, it's an amazing way of seeing Russia's interior beyond the Great Smoke, so beyond uh, yep. Moscow and beyond St Petersburg. Paint a picture for us. What will we see? What will we do? What would we eat? Okay. Well, certainly in um, St. Petersburg, you, you, you're in the city of the Tsar. So the uh, the Romanov dynasty um, existed sort of around St. Petersburg. In fact, Peter the Great um, installed St. Petersburg on the map. He saw the rest of Europe. He saw Venice and Amsterdam and places like this, the great cities of Europe, yep. and decided he'd bring about all of the greatest um, 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 stonesmiths, architects and, and people to build him a new city that looked out as his window onto the west. So they celebrated their tercentenary about sort of 15, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. So Peter the Great um, was the, the, the chap that sort of um, installed St. Petersburg on the map. St. Pete's is, is full of amazing palatial residences and palaces, like some of the most extraordinary places mm-hmm. in Russia exist in St. Petersburg. It's kind of like the um, the frou-frou sort of um, uh, decoration on top of a wedding cake, very yeah, yeah. Rococo Baroque. <laughs> um, you've got um, Sars Casello, which is the... Uh, uh, the former home of the Sars um, mm-hmm. with its famous amber room. And it's like a, a beautiful sort of peacock blue sort of exterior that when you take off out of St. Petersburg, you can see from mm. mid-flight. Um, there's lots of um, Atlantes or lintels holding up the entire sort of structure. And as I said, the amber room, which was fully refurbished after World War II. And then you've got um, uh, Peter the Great's beloved Peterhof, which sits overlooking the Gulf of Finland. And it's a little bit like a, uh, a miniature Palace of Versailles, yep. and it has amazing um, gold fountains and their trick fountains. So if you're there in summertime, they spout water when you least expect it. <laughs> so um, nice. those are two of the the most extraordinary palaces. And then there's Orianbaum, and there are uh, numerous other sort of palaces. But perhaps one of the most palatial, um, excuse the pun, um, palaces would be the Winter Palace, and that's in the heart of St Petersburg and houses the Hermitage Collection. Right. And the Hermitage Collection was an amazing art and antiquities collection amassed by Catherine the Great. Okay. So it's thought that if you were to stop and um, take note of every exhibit there, even for just a minute, and some of them demand more of that time mm. because you've got some of the most extraordinary paintings by the Grand Masters, you know, uh, Velazquez and uh, uh, Degas and uh, Picasso, and there's even a couple of Michelangelo's yep. there, like very, very priceless, and also Rembrandt, you know, dozens of Rembrandt sort of paintings. If you were to stop and sort of like regard them for just a minute, you'd be there for something like 30 years. Right? And they've only got a very, very small p- proportion yeah. of the collection out yeah. at any one time, it's something like one or two percent. And every, every Every room that the collection is housed in is is a treasure in itself. Right down to the staircase that they stormed to come into the Winter Palace during the revolutionary process. So mm-hmm. I think sort of St Petersburg is sort of one of those places that has that real sort of ooh-ah sort of um, factor about it. Yep. It's quite different to, to Moscow because Moscow is very Stalinist. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very kind of utilitarian. It was sort of built for sort of a purpose, whereas St Petersburg was built in an arty-farty sort of sense. Yeah, you know, sure. it's sort of um, a lot sort of prettier and sort of more elaborate and it's Putin's hometown as well. So a lot of St Petersburg was revamped in time for the the tercentenary. Um, there's some great sort of um, major boulevards that exist along there, Nevsky Prospect, and of course, um, just running off Nef- Nevsky Prospect is the St Isaac's Cathedral, um, which is extraordinary because if you think about it, St Petersburg is essentially swampland and it was created um, uh, with canals and sort of bridges to sort of bring about the city as it is today. But it, yep. it's basically sort of a swamp sort of land um, and it freezes over as a port in wintertime, so it gets just as cold 
as everywhere else, but um, an extraordinary destination. Do you love Moscow like you love St. Petersburg? Um, I don't love Moscow as much, no. Um, but I, I, I like Moscow for actually these seven buildings that exist in Moscow. They're all the same yep. and they all look like something out of Gotham City. Yeah. And they're known, known as the Seven Sisters. And one of them I stayed in the very first time I went to Moscow. It was called the Ukraina Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I thought if Marriott or Hilton could put some money into the Ukraina Hotel <laughs> and turn it from something that looked basically like the Overlook Hotel out of the Shining, quite spooky looking. Yep. Um, then it would be an amazing sort of destination. But we had rather a few vodkas there and a few uh, <laughs> uh, a few cognacs, as it were. Um, vodka and cognac, I mean, I make no secret of the fact that they produce, the Russians produced uh, simply the best vodka in the world, um, Stalignaya Cristal, which was um, uh, Putin's choice. Um, but there's also myriad sort of other brands, um, very inexpensive, and then cognac. Um, and I suggest that you drink anywhere sort of from a four-star sort of upwards. And the food. Um, mm. uh, certainly they make the best vodka in the world, but um, I don't think too many people would realise that the Russians excel at ice cream production as well. Some Is of the best right? ice cream in the world. And they eat it in of, winter. You think of the vodka, you think it's vodka for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. associate... Yeah. The Russians with ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ice cream. Extraordinary ice cream. And anything to do with mushrooms, field mushrooms. If you're a mushroom lover, um, and people love or loathe mushrooms, but field mushrooms impart such a glorious flavour and they're used in a lot of um, different dishes. Quite often marinated sort of field mushrooms as an entree. And these beautiful little pancakes, um, they're basically like a, like, a, like a blini, like something you would have with um, caviar. Yep. Caviar is very prolific. Um, it's the uh, the roe from the, uh, the sturgeon fish. There's obviously very, very costly... Um, um, uh, caviar, but inexpensive mm-hmm. caviar. And who would have thought chicken po Kievsky would come from Russia? Mm. Well, quite simply, chicken Kiev. Yeah. And it did. It certainly came from Russia. See, this is what you want to find when you go to Russia, all these surprises. You, you sort of have this idea, people may have this preconceived idea of what to expect. Yeah, exactly. But as you're talking us through the architecture, the history, the beautiful food as well. Is there a good time? Is Russia good at any time? You said you love the winter. but Look, I, I, I mean, when I used to sell Russia in the UK um, with uh, the company that I was at in the UK, it was it was basically a year-round proposition because it's very well propped up with the Trans-Siberian, which is the backbone of, um, of Russia. Mm-hmm. It's a, an amazing train service that operates pretty much from Moscow all the way to the far Pacific port of Vladivostok, yep. but also down to uh, um, Beijing these days. So um, Russia's a great sort of precursor to that or um, to do the Trans-Siberian first and then do Russia sort of thereafter. So it was always a year-round sort of proposition. But, um, I mean, really if I'm pushed to say what is a great time to visit sort of Russia, I really like winter, um, as I said, for all those reasons just before. But summer is equally as glorious. In fact, you can hardly even imagine that Russia is the same place yeah. in summertime, such is the, 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 the level of summer. Like people would never imagine that you could get sunburnt or you could get quite hot in Russia, but indeed it is the case. I mean, they have temperatures, they record temperatures of close to sort of mid 30s, sort of in the summertime. So it can become an extraordinarily warm destination in summertime so um and beautiful because you've got all the flowers and that sort of thing out and of course you don't have those snowscapes i'd say probably the worst time to go to russia is immediately at the end of winter towards the spring thaw out sure quite unattractive because yep. it's very mushy and muddy at that sort of time People of don't year. realize that that beautiful white snow becomes black slush sure does very quickly sure does yep. you know and sometimes i mean i remember being in uglish which is um, one of the destinations here on the russian waterways trip that um heads out um in 2020 it's a 13-day trip heading out on the 23rd of August. 
um, Uglish as a destination. We had um, Christmas there one year and uh, it was, if it wasn't minus 20, it was minus 30 mm. most yep. days. And it was it was really cold, you know. Um, people wearing jeans, but then underneath those you wear leggings underneath those jeans. Mm. And people who possess varicose veins didn't have them anymore because yep. they'd simply shrunk in the uh, the cold. The Russians produce some of the best um, uh, boots and outerwear in the world. Um, I mean, worryingly for uh, many of us, they also um, excel at garments made of um, fur, so mink and uh, mm. uh, fox and that sort of thing. And it's a fairly sort of um, um, distasteful subject in the West where we're from. But um, the Russians are given a, wor- a, a fur hat in their teens and, and that, that hat lasts yeah. their, their lifetime. And I suppose fur is very capable of sort of repelling sort of wind and rain mm. and everything else. But we're very easily recognised as foreigners when we visit because we don't wear fur. We're yep. in, you know, North Face and all those other sort of <laughs> jackets and that sort of thing. But I tell you what, um, I yep. picked up some amazing ice skates when I was in Russia one year. Beautiful um, leather ice skates because um, okay. you can ice skate in many sort of destinations over the uh, the winter time. And then, of course, in summertime, you've got um, everything sort of thrown open and Russians are more sort of in a holiday mood at that sort of um, time of the year. It's a very short window. It's sort of really only sort of May, June through to about September, but um, a glorious place to be just as it would be in Paris or Rome or sort of really anywhere else. So while the locals are wearing their fur hats and their big fur coats, you're walking past in the Kathmandu, we'll be able to spot you That's it, a yeah. mile away. Can we yeah. talk about the people? Because a lot of places you go to as a tourist, you, you go because of the people. You know, Fiji yeah. is renowned for the Their beauty, warmth. but also the warmth of the people. Yes. Do the Russians like their tourists? When I think of Russia, again, I'm, I'm stereotyping, but the two that we know are, you know... Vladimir Putin, and there was <laughs> yeah. a there was a Russian uh, villain yeah, in the wrestling Ivan, yeah, of the yeah, early eighties yeah. called Nikolai Karloff. Yeah, there was, was also a guy called Ivan the Terrible as yeah, well. He was one right. of the uh, the Tsars, so the former Tsars. Are they the warmest people? Um, look, um, when I first went to Russia, I didn't regard Russians as the warmest people, but I think I put that down to the fact that um, many of them are too shy to yeah. speak um, our language. I mean, I try to sort of. Um, um, make do and mend with the the Russian that I did have. I got quite good at being able to sort of translate Mm -hmm. a lot of the wordings. I mean, their Cyrillic alphabet consists of 33 letters and only six of them are in any way similar to to, to ours and they produce different sounds and this sort of thing. Um, But what I did find in Russia in terms of um, spoken English was if you spoke to an older person to speak English, you would have a better response than speaking to a younger generation. And the reason for that is because pre-1991... All Russians that went to school were forced to learn the language language of Uncle Sam during the Cold War period. So they spoke great English. English was um, uh, a requirement sort of back then. So, you know, I spoke to some people, you know, in their 60s and 70s with the most remarkable sort of English. Um, Just one thing I will say on the the Ivan the Terrible um, um, situation. When you're in Moscow, one of the the greatest things to go and see, of course, is the the Kremlin, which is um, Russia's bastion of power. But Kremlins exist in all parts of Russia. A Kremlin is a fortification. It's almost like a a town hall fortress type of thing. So you've got, of course, the Kremlin. Kremlin Moscow, which is, of course, um, uh, Vladimir Putin's HQ, as it were. Mm -hmm. But you've also got some amazing transgressional cathedrals in the grounds that date back from the 11th and 12th centuries. Absolutely beautiful. Um, A fantastic great hall where he receives leaders and that sort of thing. But also the the famous armoury. And the armoury, of course, houses some of the most extraordinary of the crown jewels. Um, Of course, before Russia became communist... 
it was an autocracy. So sure. at that time, of course, it was ruled by the the Tsars. So you'll see all of the uh, the Tsars crowns from the the various coronations, all the stage coaches and those sorts of things, but also some of the most priceless Carl Fabergé eggs. Oh, wow. um, the Carl okay. Fabergé egg collection is yep. absolutely priceless and you'll see all of that at the armory. It's a very, very worthwhile experience to pay the extra to go into see the, uh, the armory, to see Russia's greatest treasures, which sort of rub shoulders or at least are in competition with that which the, uh, the Brits have at the Tower of London. Yeah, sure. And then just outside of the, uh, the Kremlin, Literally right next door, you've got Red Square. And running along um, one side of Red Square is the uh, the famous gum department store, which was the only place to buy pantyhose and jeans and mm. ballpoint pens back in the, the Cold War period. At the other end, you've got the very Disney-esque St. Basil's Cathedral. And then to the side that hugs the Kremlin, you've got the famous Lenin Mausoleum. And Lenin, uh, Vladimir Lenin, was um, a chap that basically was regarded as the grandfather of communism. And he died in 1924. And he's interred yep. in the, the mausoleum. And you can still pay your respects to him today. He's all plumped up, mm. looks kind of real. Um, you're not allowed to stop. You're not allowed to smile. You're not allowed to do anything other than to sort of shuffle past as slowly as you can to yep. see whether he is real or not. And they close the place um, every two to three years to do sort of um, a little bit of um, embalming work oh. to keep him nice and uh, plumped up. Yep. And then uh, you can leave there and then um, have a look through the Garden of Remembrance, which also contains the remains of people like Leonid Brezhnev, um, Antonov, of course, um, and of course Yuri Gagarin the first chap in space so the people that would want to go to russia people that are listening thinking this is yeah. for me is it history buffs people that love just experiencing you know something different uh, yeah it's some experience something different sure like it probably wouldn't be your first visit to europe i'd probably look at um going to sort of main uh, uh mainland or western europe as it yep. were but um i think russia would appeal to uh, certainly history buffs because there's a hell of a lot of history there mm. that that um, some of the history that i'm mentioning today re- really only touches on from basically the fall of the Romanov dynasty in 1917-18 through to uh, the end of uh, communism in 1991 with the breakup there. Um, There's loads and loads of history to shake a stick at, but also the gastronomy. The food's good in Russia. You know, there's some, there's some really great food. There's no more of these bread crews and, you know, gruely meats and meals and things like <laughs> this. It's beautiful food, you know. Um, and then, of course, um, you've got some extraordinary architecture, the antiquities that exist. I mean, honestly, some of the, some of the treasures that you'll see at the um, Hermitage Collection at the Winter Palace are to rival anything you would see in Berlin, anything in London, yep. the Smithsonian, of course, the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Um, and you've got Russian um, art as well, as well as um, European art, some of the most extraordinary sort of paintings and pictures and things like this. And then, of course, the handicrafts as well. Everybody knows about the little matryoshka dolls, the little dolls inside one another. Yeah. But um, I've brought back extraordinary paintings, old banknotes from the, the Stalinist period, Um um, I, I even used to go over to, um, from London actually for work and I used to go into a, a little place on Moika which was um, a little um, canal side street just one street back from the uh, the Winter Palace and there was a um, an amazing restaurant there and I used to pick up two serves of um, beef stroganoff and a great big loaf of rye bread and take it back to London with me for dinner Beautiful. that night. So, so here's uh, what we're saying, I guess, Melanie, when people that are listening to this podcast that are thinking about experiencing Russia or have Russia on their, their mind park to one side the hollywood uh impressions i guess of russia it's nothing like that it's not dark and sinister like it's it's a beautiful place um in fact actually um just just on this you know this 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 trip i'm sort of like concentrating on which sort of goes for 12 13 days if you are going to go to russia like i i always 
I always almost want to cry a tear for people that are doing a cruise that goes into Russia for two days. Like, it's just not enough. Like, yep. what is good about it is, is, is that if you do like a Baltic sort of cruise on Holland America Line, Princess, any of those sort of companies, mm-hmm. and you come into the Baltic sort of region out of Copenhagen, and, of course, there's the boast that you can come into uh, St. Petersburg. The great thing about that is that you don't have to go through the visa process. You go for a, a visa-free situation, and it's... It's, it's great, but it's only two days and you really only scrape the surface. So maybe go and do that and then if you like what you see, then do a longer trip or just cut straight to the point and go with sort of two weeks in Russia because I, I don't think you'll regret it. Like it's uh, an extraordinary destination. Melanie, thank you so much for walking us through Thanks, that uh, as we leave just to set the scene. This is how I think of uh, Moscow. Is there music like this in Moscow? <laughs> is this what I'm hearing when I walk through? You can find out more about Russia, about St. Petersburg, about Moscow at Phil Hoffman Travel. Visit any of the 10 offices or you can go online, pht.com.au or the social media channels.